Okay, so I'm Luke. Some of you will know me, some of you won't know me. I'm 33. I've lived in Littlehampton now for about two and a half years. I'm married to Nell, who's over there. We've got a 10-month-old child, and I'm kind of covered in biscuit, dregs, and spit right now, and that's fine. Um, I'm talking about Esther. Go. Do. Clickers. Oh, okay. Wait there. Wait for this bit to go past. I've clicked it three times. Is it going to go across three things? Oh. We'll see what happens after this. There we go. And my title is, don't miss your Esther moment. What is our Esther moment? I'm going to put it all out there now because if you remember anything, remember this bit. Is don't miss your opportunity for God to move you, to work in you, to challenge you to do something you never thought you could do. That's... That's the main thing of all of this. I could walk off now after one minute and two seconds. <laughs> Whilst I was preparing for this, I was thinking, I don't really know Esther's story that well. I know the bulk of it, and I'm never, ever going to hear it any better than the way I just heard it a second ago. It's the only way I'm ever going to know about Esther ever again. Um, I was thinking, oh, I need someone who's got wisdom. I need someone who's got loads of just like years and years of just like, you know, pressing into God and asking questions. I was like, I'm going to ask John Thomas. John Thomas knows a lot. He's not here either, so I can kind of say what I want. Um, he gave me this, he said to me, he said, oh, do you know a guy called David Pawson? I was like, no, I've never heard of this guy. He was like, I've got a book of his. I like, fantastic. So I, um, he gave me this book and it's twice the size of my Bible. And I thought, oh no, this is going to be really hectic to go through. Anyway, luckily he put in like a little insert. I opened up the, bi- the book. It did feel like a Bible. I opened up the book and right in there was just a, a little note that he'd put in there. I was like, this is where I'm going to start reading. Great. You know how you do the thing when you go to the restaurant, cafe, you kind of skim read the first few times and actually you've got nothing through it. I did that a lot. And then eventually I realised right on the first page there was a quote. I was like, brilliant, Martin Luther. I was like, oh, this is going to be fantastic. Can't wait. I was like, I'm probably just going to base my whole talk on this quote because it's going to be amazing. It's in this book. Um, Martin Luther says, I wish this didn't exist at all. This book is full of heathen perversion. It wasn't exactly how I wanted to start my... It wasn't exactly how I wanted to start this going through. If that's true... If this book is full of heathen perversion, why is it in the Bible? Why are, we, why are we looking at it? Why do we bother? I've only got 15 minutes. Because our life is full of messy, screwed up, dysfunctional things in our life that are painful and leaves us broken. And I think that's why this book's here. Because... Pulls something out of that. It pulls something out of our everyday, out of our lives that feel problematic, that feel painful, and go, do you know what? God's here. And a side note, God isn't mentioned in the book of Esther at all, which is quite a, just a little thing for you to know. Um, so I'm pulling out three things from this as we go through. One of them, I'm going to talk a little bit about my family. That's my mum. Um... My mum was born in 1947. Um, she is profoundly deaf. She was born to two, he- uh, two, parents, two hearing parents. She went to a deaf school. She was the first ballerina... Up there, I'm pointing over there because there's screens behind you. Um, she's the first 
deaf ballerina to pass stage one and stage two, or grade one and grade two of ballet. They used to turn the speakers to the floor so she could feel the rhythm. Um, she became a seamstress. She worked on Bond Street in London for a company called Hardy Amos. She worked with the Queen's Couturiers. She was a beauty queen. She, at that point, after working at Hardy Amos for a while, she met the love of her life, a guy called Tony. They had a daughter, my older sister, Rebecca. And Tony started drinking. And then Tony started beating my mum quite badly. Um, and, oh, sorry. Got a bit too zealous there. Um, there we go. And that was hard. My mum had to leave everything she knew. She had to get a flat. She had to get a job. She was looking after a really young child. So she took what she knew, which was sewing, and she went to a factory floor and just did what she could. Um, she then... I didn't cry in my practice. Um, she then met the second love of her life, a guy called Michael Knight. Not the Michael Knight. Let's go back again. That's not him. Um, and the, she had two children with him. One was me and one was my younger sister, Rachel. Um, my mum and dad, they moved from where they, from what my mum knew, they moved up to Peterborough, lived in Cambridge for a while. And then my mum found out that my dad had been cheating on her multiple times and we later found out actually had had children with other women as well. And one night, just left my mum, uh, took the car, took all the money, took everything from the bank, almost left my mum completely homeless. And that was really tough, really tough times. And my mum then once again got up, picked herself up and moved. We moved to Worthing about 20 odd years ago. So that's not her whole story, but there's just a bit that I want to go into. This guy here is called Steve Priest. If it now flicks, there we go. This guy's called Steve Priest. He is not in my family, but he's an incredible guy who I love and I have all the time for in the world. He, I'm going to cut this short because I've gone overrun already. He, based, this is his wife on the right-hand side. They were in a long-term relationship he loved her. He built his own business up and it was successful. They went off and did some mission work together. They came back and he said, I'm going to marry this woman. So they organized it all. Two weeks after they got married, she was diagnosed with bipolar. And the doctors said to Steve, um, we are willing to give you an annulment. You can pretend like that never existed. You were never married doesn't matter we'll pretend like that just never happened and he said no this is my wife I've made a commitment I want to I want to be here for her so he cheated the system he had to lie to people about how well she was he had to lie to her people about her emotional state of being he had to do a lot of work to make sure that his wife stayed at home with her with him they had two children they're an incredible family why am I saying this? Esther was an orphan. She was adopted by her cousin. As an orphan, she had no hope. There was no future for her at all. Nothing. She'd have been hung out to dry. That would have been it for her. Yet, her cousin adopts her and immediately gives her a new future. Families are messy. And if... 
I'm sure everyone in this room knows what it's like to have a broken family. I come from a broken family. I'm a child of divorce, and I live with things like that in my life now. And your things might not be the same as my mum or Steve. It might not be that, you know, it might not be mental illness. It might not be alcoholism. It might not be, you know, infidelity. It might not be any of those things. But somewhere in your life, there's brokenness somewhere in there. There's messiness somewhere that is, that is something in your life. And it might not be a massive thing. That's wicked. It might be a huge thing that you're battling with right now. But whatever stage you're at, Jesus is restoring you. God is restoring you. It's not about having to wait for your Esther moment. To, you don't have to wait to be perfect. You don't have to wait to have all your family stuff sorted. That's not the case. God is restoring you right now and God wants to use you right now. Don't let those things that feel messy to you affect how you respond to God. Don't let that happen. The second thing is, she was a Jew. She was in the minority. She was in Persia. And actually, there were lots of Jews in Persia, but kind of, they'd all been like assimilated. They weren't really Jews anymore. They were kind of Jews, but they weren't, they weren't really, because half of them had been shipped off somewhere else. Half of them had been killed. These were just kind of like the people that had been left there that they'd taken. I think we all know what it's like to feel judged. I think we all know what it's like to feel, you know, in the minority. And some of it might be because of the type of job you pick to do. And someone says, oh, I don't think you should have done that. Or it might be that you chose to have a baby. Or it might be that you chose to not have a baby. It might be that you chose to have this type of car, not this type of car. We live in a world now where social media is so primed around likes and how that reflects on you and that horrible feeling that you know when you just go, oh, I put a picture up and I've only got a few likes. That's annoying. Oh, I might just take it down, actually, because I'm a bit embarrassed by my 13 likes. And um, I think it's one of those things where we get caught up on it. We get caught up on having the best stuff. We get caught up on being, about knowing those things, about being like, I've got to have this stuff because this will make me the person I want to be. This will make me be the person who people around me respect. And actually, that's not what God wants. God is, God loves you for who you are, not for what you've got, not for what you've done. Don't let, don't miss your Esther moment because you're striving for something different. Don't miss your Esther moment because actually, well, do you know what? Once I've got, once I've got this great new like, holiday home over here or once I've got that job that's paying me 45000 a year, at that point I can really start giving. At that point I can start being really involved. At that point I can start responding to God. It's like, no, God will respond to you now. God will respond to you whatever stage you're at because he loves you for who you are, not for what you are, not for what you've got. The third and final thing is Esther's condemned to death with all the Jews. Mordecai calls her, doesn't call her, that's not true. Probably sends a pigeon, I don't know. Um, but she, gets, she knows that, she's gonna, that all the Jews are going to die and she contacts Mordecai and Mordecai, she says, 
Get all your people, get all the Jews, get them together, pray. For the next three days, fast. Don't eat, don't drink, fast. We need to do this. I'm going to do it with all my guys here. Everyone I've got around me that's a Jew, I'm going to do exactly the same thing. Why is that important? We all know that prayer is important. But why is it that she isn't saying, don't worry Mordecai, I've got this. I'm going to, I'm going to pray myself. Don't worry, I can cover myself, I've got this. Because actually God calls us to community. God calls us to be a body. God calls us to be together. And without community, you are missing your Esther moment. And what I mean by that is, there's two sides to this. If you aren't in community, if you turn up to church on a Sunday, and there was some, I've, I've been this person, so I'm not... I'm not judging. If you turn up on a Sunday and you sit down and then as soon as it goes and you walk out and that's the only involvement you've got here, you're missing out on community. I promise. It might feel awkward and that's absolutely fine. There'll be someone like me who can't stand awkward silences and will come over and talk to you because I feel awkward about the awkwardness. But stay. Build community. Because actually... If God's going to use you for an Esther moment, he's going to use you in community. He's going to use you to respond to something. And actually, by you not coming and giving your Esther moment, I'm missing out on that. Everyone is missing out on that. And the same thing, if you're not in community, you can't give your Esther moment. You're missing out on that. Some of you guys know that we run life pods. If you're not in a life pod, get in a life pod. It's a small group of people. Eight, 12 people. It's a small community. Nat and Kat run them. Kat is here. I've seen her somewhere. She's over there. Go and talk to her. Say, I want to be in a community. We've got bigger communities, which are clusters. Get involved in the clusters. Get involved in worship nights. Get involved in prayer morning. Get involved in prayer meetings. Turn up to church. Be in the community, because that's what God wants you to be in. He wants you to be here. I think I've run over my time. I have. Only by two seconds. So that's not a problem. If the band are coming up and doing another song, which I hope they are, if they're not, they'll make it up. It's great. Um, when, when they're singing, if you are any one of those three first things, which is you don't feel like you've been restored, if you feel like I still I, I need that in my life, find someone put your hand up, someone around you will come and pray with you, I promise. If you feel like God doesn't love me, if you feel like actually I don't feel like that's where I'm at with God, put your hand up, someone will come and pray with you. If you feel like I don't belong to this community, I'm not involved in this community, I want to be involved in this community, find Cat, find the welcome team, they're all wearing blue tops and they've got logos on the back ask them because they will point you in the right direction but the last thing is if you think you've missed your Esther moment if you think do you know what I haven't had a moment like that for years you haven't missed it God is always going to use you and God wants to use you and God will take every opportunity he even uses the possibility of a mass genocide to use someone to say, I'm going to use you now. 
He uses the worst situations. He uses the best situations. You haven't missed your opportunity. If you're sitting here and thinking, I've, I've missed my opportunity, put your hand up. Someone will come and pray with you. If you're thinking, I want my Esther moment. I've never had an Esther moment. I want to know how I could, I want to, I want to have an Esther moment. Put your hand up and someone will come and pray with you. Okay, I'm just going to quickly close in prayer. God, I want to thank you so much that you're a God that cares about us, that you are a God that loves us, that you are refreshing us, that you're restoring us, that you call us to be together, that you don't call us to be on our own, isolated away from the pack, but actually you love us enough that you've given us messy families. Looking at Matt and Matthew and Luke, there's a whole chapter dedicated to the genealogy of Jesus and there's loads of screwed up people in that list. God, you know what it's like to be in a messy family. You know what that's like. And God, I want to thank you that you have adopted us as an orphan and you've given us a new future. God, I just pray now for all those people that think, I fall into one of those four categories, that you give them the strength to put their hand up and be prayed with today, Lord, because how amazing would it be if we had a church full of people that were just taking their Esther moments full of a church that was around people that were supporting people making their Esther moments God we love you so much thank you for everything you've done Amen